Well, it's a Sunday before Christmas, and we're still studying Paul's letter to Titus. It would be far more traditional to be at the beginning of a gospel than in the middle of an epistle at Christmas, but I actually planned it this way. When I decided it was time to preach through 2 Thessalonians and Titus again, I made sure I would be at an appropriate text for Christmas. And other than miscounting the weeks, which led to Brett preaching on Thanksgiving to keep me on schedule, everything has gone according to plan. And this morning we come to one of the finest Christmas texts to be found in an epistle. Titus 2, 11-14. Paul has been telling Titus to teach believers how to honor the Word of God and adorn the doctrine of God. He even went so far as to give specific instruction on how older men and women, young women and men, teachers and servants, are to do so. Bottom line, All are to honor the Word of God and adorn the doctrine of God by living lives of obedience to God's revealed will. No doubt all would agree with that. Doing so, however, is hard. So Paul now moves to provide the motivation we need to live as we know we should. He reminds us of the grace that's been given to us, the grace that has appeared. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. The grace of God has appeared, and it is God's Christmas gift to us. A gift we don't deserve. You see, God's not like Santa Claus, sending gifts only to those who've been good. He sent the ultimate gift while we were yet sinners. That's why his gift is called grace. Grace is something we need but don't deserve. And the grace of God has appeared. It became visible. It came to light when Christ came to earth. When the grace of God appeared, it took on flesh and dwelt among us. And he did so to bring salvation, to bring instruction, to bring hope, and to bring redemption. Titus 2, 11 through 14 brings all this into focus this morning and is therefore the perfect Christmas text. It first calls our attention to the fact that the grace of God appeared to bring 
salvation. Titus 2.11 For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Jesus came to be our Savior. The angel said it best in Luke 2.11 For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus came to be our Savior, to save us. From what? From the penalty of our sins. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that we have all sinned, fallen short of God's desire for us, and most have openly rebelled against Him. And the penalty for sin is death. Separation from the holy and perfect God who created us. If we paid the penalty ourselves, we would be lost forever. So God in His grace made a way for us to be saved, and that way was through His Son. For as we read in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is God's grace come to earth in the flesh, sent to save us from the eternal consequences of our sins. When Jesus made His appearance in Bethlehem, the grace of God appeared. The Son of God who was born in a barn and then killed on a cross came to make salvation available to all men. He came to save all who would accept God's gift of grace and who would then live on the basis of that grace. So he came not only to bring salvation, but to bring instruction. Verse 12. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Jesus came not only as Savior, but also as Teacher. The greatest teacher to ever walk the face of the earth. And he came teaching the will of the Father. He came to teach us how to live lives that bring honor to God, that adorn His name. The word Paul used for instructing is one that is most often used, or was most often used, for the training of children. Jesus came to train God's children how to live. And his training program, like those of all good parents, included both a negative and a positive element. He not only taught us what not to do, he taught us what to do. On the negative side, he instructed us to deny ungodliness and worldly desire. He told us that if we are to live lives that honor God, we must make a break with all ungodliness. We must turn our back on those things that 
show a lack of reverence and respect for God. And we must give up those desires that are centered solely on this present world system, on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the vainglories of life. Now, that's not to say we can't enjoy the temporal blessings of God. But we must never allow the temporal blessings from God to become overwhelming desires that draw us away from the eternal things of God. And on the positive side, He taught us to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Now, we've seen this word sensibly before. It means to be in our right mind to be self-controlled, to keep our passions in check, to use our heads. Living righteously means that we treat others rightly, as God treats us. And living godly simply means we live lives that keep God in focus, lives that reflect His nature. Jesus taught us how to do this, giving us specific examples and detailed instructions, and He demonstrated it by the life He lived. If we live as He taught and lived, we will bring honor to the Word of God and adorn the doctrine of God. The grace of God has appeared to bring salvation, to bring instruction, and to bring hope. Verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. You know, life lived in this present age is lived in anticipation of the age to come. That's what enables us to endure the heartache that comes in this life. And that's what makes us willing to forego immediate gratification. We know something better is coming. That whatever we may have to go through now is less than nothing compared with the magnificent future God has planned for us. And we're looking forward to something so wonderful that everything this world has to offer pales in comparison. We're looking for the blessed hope. The hope that will be fulfilled at the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. And we know Jesus will gloriously appear in the future because he miraculously appeared in the past. And when he was here, he told us he was coming again. In fact, he told us why he was leaving and why he is coming back. In John 14, 1 through 3, we read the words that give us hope. Hope that is made sure by the very word of the Son of God. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The grace of God appeared on earth to be able to offer us an eternal home in heaven. And when he returns, our home will be ready. The second coming of Jesus is our blessed hope. A hope made possible by his first coming. Jesus appeared to bring salvation, to bring instruction, to bring hope, and to bring redemption. Verse 14. Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. There's a difference between salvation and redemption. Salvation saves us from something, from the penalty of our sins. Redemption restores us to something, to our place in the family of God. Our sins had separated us from our Heavenly Father. We were no longer in fellowship with Him. We had left Him and then discovered that we could not get back. We had moved into the household of sin And the master of the house rightfully demanded that a ransom be paid before he could release us. Before we could be redeemed by the one who still loved us and wanted us back. That ransom was the death of God's own son. So Jesus came. The grace of God appeared and paid For our redemption. He made it possible for us to be reunited with our Heavenly Father. He brought us back into the family of God. He bought us back at a great price. That's what it means to be redeemed. And now as redeemed family members, we are gratefully zealous to reflect the nature of our Father. We are zealous for good deeds. We are zealous to honor the Word of God. We are zealous to adorn the doctrine of God. Now that we know what it cost Him to be able to send the ultimate Christmas gift, We are zealous to live a life that honors Him. We've been given the ultimate Christmas gift. The gift that really does keep on giving. The gift that keeps on giving for all eternity. Jesus is the grace of God that appeared on Christmas. The grace... We celebrate this morning 
And the only appropriate response to the gift is to make the giver the Lord of our lives. To surrender our all to him because he gave his all for us. Let's stand as we acknowledge it.